The Road Less Travelled podcast is a proudly Australian, fiercely independent podcast, hosted and produced by me, Nikki Shea, for Fat Cat Media. We receive no corporate payments, which means we rely on self-sufficient financial support. If you can and are able to, we would love you to support us via Patreon. Listen to the Road Less Travel podcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts and iHeartRadio. And now it's time for this week's show. G'day everyone, it's Nikki from the Road Less Travelled podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the podcast. It's great to have your company. Don't forget you can listen to the show via Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google, also SoundCloud, as well as many other platforms that you happen to be listening on. Thanks for joining us. We really appreciate your support and tagging along. And if you're still in the various stages of lockdown, wherever you're happening to be listening to the show, our thoughts are with you. Um, I don't know what's around the corner none of us do as far as lockdowns are concerned but uh, you do have our thoughts and it's a good opportunity during lockdown to uh, concentrate on another avenue get your mind off being sort of trapped and isolated and get yourself onto a a project so whether it's candle making if it's cooking maybe it's art you're into painting take up a hobby and use the time while you can and speaking of hobbies one of my favorite things to do is to go fishing and a lot of people have uh, got back to us regarding um, the recipes that we've been giving you like for um we gave a recipe for snapper baby snapper the other week and also on yabbies as well i've got a great recipe coming up this week for trout and trout fishing in particular is something that it, uh, it eludes a lot of fisher people i can't say fishermen but fisher people they uh, go off in search of the elusive trout and i guess before you even worry about going fishing it's choosing the equipment i love the jarvis walker brand because it's an australian brand um that's just my personal opinion whatever happens to suit your budget um it's totally up to you but there's types of fishing rods that you should be aware of in particular the fiberglass rods they're generally the less expensive they're heavier and a robust um, fishing rod alternative they suit those who prefer an economical no-frills rod for bait fishing techniques and also for spinning. Then you get the fancy ones, which is the graphite composite rods. They offer the mix of fiberglass strength with minor weight reductions. Um, they have an increased tip sensitivity and they have a, they offer a better casting performance than the standard all fiberglass rods, I think because they've got a little bit more give and take in them. They are widely available in all types of rod styles and are popular across the range of techniques from bait fishing, beaches and estuaries to offshore trawling for billfish they're usually less expensive than full graphite rods although some of the top shelf composite blanks still command a pretty high price now the modern graphite rods are much lighter um, and they offer excellent sensitivity they have faster tapers and generally perform casting duties better than the fiberglass and the composite rods now these rods are usually the best option when any casting is involved and are a common choice for most lure fishers they're the most fragile than fiber they're more fragile rather than fiberglass and composite rods so more care is needed to prolong the life of your graphite rod when you get your rod it's up to fishing rod lengths and the best rod length for you is determined by your preferred fishing style now rod length has a direction correlation to casting performance so if casting distance is advantageous say when you're casting from the beach then you want a longer rod Whereas if you're boat fishing and dropping baits straight to the bottom or trawling, a short rod is ample, plus it's more comfortable to fight fish with that in that scenario. So if you're unsure, 6 foot rod, which is 1.8 metres, a 6.6 is 2 metres, and a 7 
uh, foot rod is 2.13 metres. They're the most popular all-rounder kind of lengths that can be used for the average estuary, the jetty, the rock wall scenario. These versatile lengths will cast your baits out with ease and they're pretty comfortable to use and for fighting fish as well. Now, beach fisher, pe- pe- fisher people should look at nothing shorter than a 9-foot rod, which is 2.74 metres, otherwise you just can't cast out. Lure fisher people should be determining rod length based on the average weight of the lures they use and the distance requires. Heavy lures such as big barra or cod lures, they require less help from the rod so you can use a shorter rod of about 5 foot 6, which is 1.7 metres, to 6 foot. However, just a tip, if you're fishing light plastic soft um, or brim style lures, then a 6 foot 6 or even a 7 foot or longer will be much useful. There's also a lot of focus on rods line weight ratings. This is listed on the blank either in kilograms, for example, 2 to 4 kilos, or pounds, which is what I prefer, 10 to 12 pounds. This is useful for matching the rod to the intended purpose. However, if it's more useful for you to match a rod's lure weight rating or the casting weight rating to your desired lure or sinker weight, then the lure weight or casting weight ratings are the same thing by two different names and are listed on the rod blank in grams, 4 to 10 grams, or in ounces, e.g., you know, 1 to 2 ounces. This rating is more important now with the increasing popularity of braid lines because anglers will often use a much sort of stronger than necessary to take advantage of the braid's thin line diameters. And what I mean is if an angler is using a 30-pound braid for casting soft plastic lures rigged with, say, a quarter-ounce jig head for snapper, they wouldn't get the same casting performance from a rod with a line weight rating of about 30 pounds as, say, a lighter rod with a line weight rating of 12 to 15 pounds. This is because in most cases a lighter rod will have a lighter casting weight rating than a heavier rod. It's just some little tips for you. So with this in mind, it's best to look for a rod with a casting weight rating that matches the lures or the sinker weight that you expect to be using. Plus, it's also important to make sure that the line weight rating matches your reel's likely drag setting rather than the actual line that you're using. And there's more things you can look at. You can look at grip options like rear grip, foregrip. Um, There's also the split rear grip design, uh, also cork or synthetic grips, and also slick grips or bent butts. So they're probably more for game fishing. Most of them are sort of made made by metal. So there's plenty of options to consider. So it's not just a case of going in and picking out the rod. You need to work out what you're going to be using it for, whether you want an all-purpose kind of rod, if you want just for bait fishing, for spinning on the beach, on the rocks or on the jetties. That's something that you need to really consider when going and looking for fishing rods. Also, you can get like telescopic rods um, where you can fold them right down and they're probably about, what's that, about 30 centimetres to a foot in length when they fold down. You can stick them in your backpack if you're going off hiking as well. So once you have your rod sorted, you obviously need a reel. And pardon me, choosing the best equipment in the types of reel is also just as important. For example, the name spinning reel refers to what you might otherwise be known as the threadline egg beater or the coffee grinder reel. It's an overhead reel which refers to a collective including several types of reels that might otherwise be known as a conventional game trawling, barrel bait caster and low profile reels. Uh, strength, maximum drag capacity and line capacity were once the determining factors that made overhead reels the choice of serious anglers simply because of the fact that early spin reel designs couldn't match the overhead designs and modern spin reels now can be equal and in some cases exceed the capabilities of overhead reels and this makes the choice of which reel is better for you less clear so we'll have a quick look at some of the options relative for the intended purpose. 
So reels for bait fishing, either a spin or overhead reel is fine for everyday bait fishing when you're casting your baits from shore or a boat, so let your personal preference decide. If you're new to fishing, then it's best to start with a spin reel because they are ample to use and will do everything that you need. As you develop more specific fishing styles that might benefit an overhead reel, then you can add that to your tackle then. I've had um, reels for spinning all my all my life, and I just love them. They're just so easy for me um, to use. They're, they're great. Um, you can also get reels for trawling. Overhead reels are probably the best choice for trawling, whether you're targeting marlin offshore with game reels or seeking barra or cod in rivers using bait caster reels. This is simply because the shapes and designs better suit being left in rod holders and they're more suited to reacting to unexpected strikes. They facilitate easier lying length adjustments and they have free spool functions so your fingers are safer when engaging the reel after a strike. And in the case of offshore fishing, they have a superior line holding capability and cap capacity and they're better suited to be used with a gimbal belt. Reels for casting, um, well, there are good casting reel options in both spin and overhead reels. Spin reels are easy to cast with, however, casting with an overhead reel can be mastered, it just takes a bit more practice at the start. Personal preference will decide which is best for most of the applications, but that there are some other considerations. Spin reels are better at casting lighter weights because the line moves off the spool more freely when the when the bale is actually open whereas the line on an overhead must revolve the spool uh, as it's cast out which requires more momentum and then it can be difficult when using a lightweight lure or a sinker for me this is one reason why spin reels are more um, are preferred for light and ultra uh, light lure casting another is that a small spin reel usually weighs less than a small bait caster for, for example the spin reel's freer line advantage diminishes as the lure or sinker weights increase because with more weight obviously comes more momentum regardless of which reel is used and that's when the decision is less critical. Bait casters are a popular overhead reel option for lure casting in rivers, estuaries, lakes and inshore and they allow extra precision via direct contact between the thumb and the spool which allows you to place a lure or bait exactly where you want it. It should be noted that the modern anglers who prefer spin reels are achieving similar precision by using the index finger for the same contact on the rinse on the spins reel, and that's exactly what I do. However, the effectiveness of this option is limited to, sm to small spin reels, and it's also determined by the size of the hands relative to the reel size too. The thumb contact made possible by baitcaster reels also allows the angler to apply for extra drag for emergencies such as stopping a big fish powering towards a snag. This extra feel and control is a massive advantage in many situations. Casting situations where big line uh, capacities are needed, such as when a land-based uh, land fishing from beaches and rocks targeting large uh, species, it's often dominated by overhead reels. And the land-based specialists learn to control these reels and can cast impressive distances with these reels. There's so many things to to consider with reels. For the, there's also reels for bottom fishing and jigging. Um, and overhead reels are probably a better option for boat fishing scenarios. So when you're dropping the baits or the heavy lures to the bottom and fishing vertically, uh, strong modern spin reels now hold their own offshore as well. So look out for features such as line capacity, drag capability as well, spool design. That's something to, you need to look at. Also, whether or not you can afford it. If it just feels comfortable, sometimes people just like the look of a certain reel. Um, it's all these things that you need to, to take into consideration when fishing. And speaking about fishing, we'll come back and we'll have a ch chat about trout.
And as you can tell, I get a little bit excited when I um, am passionate about something because I talk exceptionally fast. So I do apologise. I just get really pumped up about fishing. It sounds ridiculous, but I do. So trout fishing, a little bit about trout. Trout is the name given to several species of freshwater fish that belong to the salmonoid kind of family. In Australia, we have five main types of what they call or salmonid or salmonide in our waters, which is Atlantic salmon, uh, Chinook salmon, brown trout, brook trout and rainbow trout. It's worth noting that some of these species can be crossbred to produce a super hybrid fish. For example, the brook trout can be crossed with brown trout to produce a tiger trout. Stocking hybrid trout may be trialled in Victorian waters in the near future. Now, trout have natural distribution across North America, Europe and Northern Asia. They were introduced to Australia from England in the 1860s and later from New Zealand in about the 1890s to help make the newly settled Europeans feel more at home. Whilst early attempts to establish the species were problematic, today they are now one of Australia's most popular freshwater fish. Now, where I am in Victoria, can be the, the fish of trout can be found in many lakes and rivers across the state. Now, depending on the waterway, these trout will all will either be stocked fish, common in many lakes, or wild fish, which is almost exclusively so in rivers. Well, there's some notable exceptions, except um, for like the Mary River and the Hopkins River in southwest Victoria. Regardless of whether or not they're hatchery reared or wild bred, all trout need cool, clean, well oxygenated water to thrive. Now, from an angling perspective, this means that it's often more productive to head to water at higher altitudes, such as the alpine rivers and lakes during summer, or target rivers in forested areas that offer more shade and retain good flows and depths. For lake fishing, southern or highland waters that have a depth of at least 2.5 metres can continue to provide trout with the cool water that they need during the warmer months. In rivers, depending on conditions, trout will often sit in currents next to snags or boulders where they can maintain their position in well-oxygenated well oxygenated water and they dart out to grab the passing food. In lakes, they can often be found feeding on bait fish, bugs and hatching insects in shallow areas in the morning and late evening. During the day, particularly in summer, they'll often lie in the deeper water to escape the heat, so you need to get your lure or your bait right down to the bottom. In hot spells, trout feed in shorter periods late in the evening and at night. Trout are less common in lowland reaches of rivers where the water temperature exceeds 20 20 degrees. Now, some hot spots for catching trout, that's what everyone wants to know. In Victoria, we're lucky to have some of the awesome trout fishing in a number of rivers and lakes across the state. Some of the best include Goulburn River between Ilden and Molesworth, the Rubicon River, Akron River, Stevenson River, Tangle River, King River, Ovens River, Kiwa River, the Mitamita, uh, Lake Ilden, um, Lauriston Reservoir, Hepburn Lagoon, um, Lake uh, Lake Hume, Lake Wendery, the Yildon Pondage, Lake Dartmouth, there's heaps and heaps of spots. For baits and lures, now trouts are an aggressive, opportunistic predator that forage and eat a range of terrestrial and aquatic insects, crustaceans, small fish, and they also eat their own species too. They'll eat worms, amphibians and small mammals like mice. What they decide to eat depends on large part on where, on where they actually live in the time of year. For example, in some waters during certain times of year, trout will feed almost exclusively on a few abundant food sources. So this means if you know what they're eating, you can select a bait, lure or fly that looks similar. 
And when it comes to baits, lures and flies, there's literally thousands of options. And this can make choosing one a bit intimidating at times. So to help you out, we'll tackle each category separately and highlight probably the most popular ones. When it comes to baits, there's three types of baits. Live bait, dead bait and dough baits. We'll get into live bait first. Worms and maggots are two types of live bait that can be very effective for trout. When fish just beneath the surface, you use a little split, uh, split shot sinker on the line or an unweighted one on the bottom in the right spot, the action of the worm or maggot wriggling on the hook can be very tempting to an actively feeding trout. In summer, use live grasshoppers or crickets. They can also be very effective. We're going out to dead bait. Glasses, which are small minnow fish, are a popular effective dead bait for trout. These little fish are a shiny uh, little thing, and when they're retrieved, their colour and movement can attract the trout to bite. You can buy them in frozen packs from plenty of surveys and make them a convenient choice for plenty of anglers. One of the newest ones that I've come across since moving to Victoria again is doe bait. Doe baits, so for example the power bait, they're a really good option for people who don't want to handle live baits. Doe baits feel like putty and are made to smell and taste attractive to trout. Some of them also come out in these really loud colours like fluorescent pink or really fluoro orange which can trigger their aggression or mimic seasonally available food. Doe baits are often productive when targeting lakes in impound stocks with rainbow trout and I have had some success with doe bait too. Lures, I've had success for lures. Trout can be caught on a range of lures and there is just an absolute plethora on the market. There's soft plastics, hard bodies, spoons, bladed wing lures. Some are better for casting, others are better suited for trawling, which is towing a lure behind a boat at a distance. And some examples of popular lures for stream casting are the uh, repeller minnows, which are floating and, and they count down, the selters, which is a bladed lure, and the metal blades, which is a lipless crankbait. For trolling, you can use wing lures such as the Tassie Devil, the Lofty Cobras and Tillens Cobras as well. And advanced trolling can be quite technical, involve the use of lead lines and downriggers to present lures at depth. Fly fishing, this is something that's going to be on my bucket list, flies. Trout can also be caught using a distinctive technique called fly fishing. This is something that I will do before the end. <laughs> I will do it before the end of this year, is fly fishing. In fly fishing, specialised rods, lines, casting methods and what we call flies are used. The flies are essentially hooks tied with man-made and natural fibres that are better that are made to look better than like the insects, crustaceans and the other wild food that trout prey on. There are literally thousands of fly patterns, which is the term used to describe a particular kind of fly, which are available in some uh, waters of times a year required to be highly selective. And there's some essential ones that will work well in many waters and situations. For the purpose of this one, here are our top 10 essential flies. There's golden ribbed hare's ear, pheasant tail nymph, stick caddis, woolly bugger, the magoo, the elk hair caddis, the royal wolf, the pale morning dun, parachute atoms and a mud muddler now fly fishing from what i've seen and with all the videos i've watched and people and i've watched people it's an art that can be tricky to master quickly it often pays to go out with experienced fly fish to learn the ropes that's what i intend to do and while it can be frustrating at first apparently once you get the hang of it it can be truly addictive so that's something that i'm really looking forward to doing and if hey if anyone's out there that does fly fishing let me know because i would be happy to tag along it's on my bucket list i've always wanted to do it it looks super relaxing um and you know something i want to do as i said earlier that introduction into um, trout fishing is is with rods and reels some of the rods for um 
bait and lure fishing. All you need is a good quality seven foot, two to four kilogram spinning rod uh, matched with a 2,000 uh, sized reel. The reel can be a spooled one with six to tw- uh, four to six pound braid connected to a four to six pound leader. Uh, for bait fishing, a simple running sinker rig which is weighted lightly with a 30 centimeter leader coming off the swivel and probably about a size six hook will work really well. For lure fishing, a similar outfit can be used. Just tie your lure to your monofilament or your fluorocarbon leader. Many retailers such as BCF offer good value spinning rods and reel combos that range in price from 70 bucks to 150 bucks and well off. When it comes to fly fishing equipment, something I'm not 100% familiar with, but many people focus on finding the rod first. What I've been told is the best place to start is to choose the right line weight and line design for the type of trout fishing you want to do. Line weights start at one for the lighter style of fishing, which is chasing small trout in fair weather in tiny streams, and they go up to 15, which I'm told is chasing the large saltwater species in windy conditions. Double taper, weight forward, shooting head are just some of the fly line designs that can have an impact on the cast and the delivery of the fly in the water. Some line designs are better for throwing lots of line out, some for preventing la- presenting rather large or heavy flies, and some are better suited for delivering small flies delicately. Fly rods are designed to be used with specific weighted lines in a label 1 to 15 to provide a guide on the right line weight to use. Fly rods can be made from different materials such as carbon fibre, bamboo and fibreglass and they are designed with different actions which is the term used to describe how the rod bends, all of which impact the way the rod feels when casting and the price the angler pays. I'm told, and I've had a lot of research, a simple good quality fresh water fly rod and reel combo can start from 300 bucks and run into the thousands of dollars depending on the brands and specifications selected. If I was to recommend a fly rod that would cover most fishing situation in Victoria, it would be a carbon fibre six-weight rod with a moderate action that's matched with either a six-weight forward floating, intermediate or sinking line, depending on where you want to target trout in the water. Due to the complexities of fly equipment, recommend speaking to a good fly fishing retailer about your needs before purchasing. Now, unless you are exempt, there are regulations. A recreational fishing license is needed. Please check your local area, but it is required in Victoria when fishing recreationally in or next to Victorian waters. So before heading out the water, recommend you checking whether you are exempt. And licenses in Victoria can be bought online. Bag limits, minimum legal sizes and closed season in certain waters for trout across Victoria. You have to check for the local regulations and, of course, responsible fish handling. If you catch a fish, it's important you handle it responsibly to minimise stress and maximise its chance of survival if you intend to release it. That's a lot of things I like sometimes doing. Just, I've got to be honest, when I'm going to give you a trout recipe, but growing up, uh, the way that my grandparents used to cook trout, it was gross. Um, they'd gut it and they'd stick it in a fry pan, complete with the head on and the f- f- little fins, and oh, it was rank. And um, it tastes like muddy water. But I'll give you a recipe like, a little bit later on that... Phew, it's turned that right around for us. Um, take a rubber knotless net and handle the fish inside the net in, in the water. You remove the hooks as clean as possible using long nose pliers. If the fish is hooked deeply in the mouth or stomach, leave the hook where it is and cut the line as close as possible to the hook. When possible, remove the hook while the fish is still in the water. And if you wish to take a photo, remove the fish from the net gently. Support the weight of the fish near the head and underbelly with both hands. Take the snap and return the water quickly and hold the fish gently in swift flowing water to force water through its gills until it's revived and is able to swim away normally. If the fish is of legal size and you intend to keep it, uh, it's recommended that you dispatch the fish you intend to keep immediately. 
You ice the fish and store them away from sunlight, preferably in a moist bag or cooler. Wet newspaper will do the trick as well. And if you want to know what rivers have the highest abundance of biggest trout, <laughs> get in contact with me because I want to know that too. I think the Jamison River, Halka River, Buckland River's got them, Upper Goldman, above Lake Yildon, Trelgan Creek, Kring River as well. So they're in Victoria. Check your local guides. Um, and probably the best thing to do is go to your local fishing um, outlet. There's always a fishing shop normally um, around the, the local area where you happen to go fishing. Go and have a chat to them. Support them and they'll, um, you know, they'll certainly point you in the right direction and give you plenty of tips as well. So that's a little bit about trout fishing. When we come back, we'll get a bonza trout recipe that will not make your trout taste like old river water. Back with more. Now when it comes to trout and probably most species of fish is best of course that you scale them, you gut them and you actually fillet them. There are some that is best like I said a couple of episodes back with snapper you can use the whole fish. You can use the whole fish with trout um, and also with brim but for this particular recipe it's just nice to be able to use nice clean fish fillets you don't have to worry about bones and whilst this one is a, a trout recipe you can use any particular fish that you want um, the trout's nice because the fillets are so thin that they take literally minutes to cook a thicker fish would obviously take more time to cook through we serve this one with some paprika, roasted potatoes and steamed asparagus. It's one of the most satisfying and balanced meals that we've had in a long time. And um, it's dead easy to make. Total time, about 25 minutes. Two skin on trout fillets, a tablespoon of olive oil, a tablespoon of unsalted butter or salted butter if you want, two garlic cloves minced or sliced or diced, three tablespoons of chopped fresh parsley, tablespoon of lemon juice, salt and pepper to taste. Heat a non-stick pan over a medium-high heat. You then melt the butter with the olive oil into a frothy. You cook the trout fillets skin side down for two minutes, then carefully flip with a thin white spatula. You cook for another minute or until it's almost cooked through. Then it's when you add the garlic, the parsley and the lemon juice and continue to cook for another minute or so until the fish is golden brown and the flesh flakes off easy with a fork. You transfer it to the serving plates and you enjoy it. It is that easy. It literally takes it takes longer to cook the vegetables than it does the actual um, the, the trout. You and it's pan fried trout with garlic lemon and parsley it is dead easy to make and as i said um get some roasted potatoes put them sprinkle with some paprika some steamed asparagus and even steamed vegetables and it's just that easy to make and as i said it's easy when you can fillet the fish and we might try and do a, a um a video of uh, fish filleting how to clean and gut and scale a, fi a fish uh just got to be able to get out there and catch one and be allowed out our lockdown to go do some fishing now, speaking of fishing, I get all my stuff through BCF. We have no commercial arrangement. No, I don't get any discounts, anything like that. It's just a, a place to go to. If you've got somewhere that you want to go and get your own fishing gear, BCF, wherever it happens to be, that's fine. It's up to, up to you. Speaking of places to go, um, digressing a little bit here, but a lot of people have said, where do you go and get your bits and pieces for um, Jenny or Jayco Caravan? Well, Carac's Dandenong Caravan Accessories has been serving the caravan community for over 50 years and they're run by a family of three generations. From humble beginnings when, where caravan parts and accessories were an add-on to their automotive business, a boom in caravanning in probably the last 30 years has seen this become the number one focus of their business. 
From their store in Dandenong South, they supply just about everything one might need for the next caravanning or camping adventure. In 2017, they were awarded the Caravan Industry Association of Victoria Retail of the Year and it's certainly a fitting recognition of their decades of hard work. They aim to be the only place you, uh, we trust with product services and advice for you and your family's next camp, caravanning or camping adventure. So it's called Carac, C-A-R-A-C. You can buy online. They're also doing click and click through lockdown. And we just find that they've got the best because our caravan is, I think our caravan's about a 93 or 92 model. So it's a little, getting a little bit older. Um, you're still able to get plenty of stuff. And um, it, we've had a storm here not too long ago and noticed that one of the plastic spats had actually spat itself off and split. So we thought, oh, man, how are we going to get some old, um, rather, how are we going to get you caravan spats for an older caravan? Jumped onto their website, carac.com.au, boom, it's coming out in the mail overnight. It was unbelievable. So they do things like 12-volt campfights, 12-volt circuit breakers and relays, floodlighting, fuses, harnesses. They've got axles, even the little stripping uh, that you need on the outside of the caravan. They've got that too. They've got awnings, fridge bits and pieces. We had to get uh, a new fridge put in the caravan. We needed new... Um, what is that word, new fridge vents on the outside, and um, I thought, oh, how are we going to get these to fit the hole for an older caravan? Boom, done. They do solar energy, spare parts, hatches, vents, kitchen appliances, everything that you possibly need. As I said, we've got no commercial agreements with them whatsoever, uh, but just uh, a place. If you've got a local place as well, give them a shout-out, drop us a line, um, and you know we'll try anything. Um at them, says Nikki, with a whole lot of arms. So it's called Carrack, and they're in Dandenong in Victoria. Give them a call on 0397947977. And they also do, they've got a workshop too as well, and they do plenty of work on caravans, trailers, all kinds of bits and pieces, and um, they're just really easy to deal with. And it's it's harder when you have an older caravan. You sort of think, oh, am I going to get those parts? But, yeah, they, they cater for older caravans. And hopefully it won't be too long before we're able to get out in the caravan and get back out on the road less travelled. That's about it for this week's show. We haven't been out on the road, but we've certainly given you a bit of an insight into fishing, um, and that was based on a lot of uh, emails and text messages that I did get regarding um, fishing choices for fishing rods, um, especially during lockdown. That was some exercise that people were able to do was to go out fishing so that's why we sort of dedicated this episode to fishing and a bit of background about how to get rods reels all that type of stuff as well so i hope you've enjoyed it love to get get your feedback as i can put a sentence together you can email the show uh, fatcat at iinet.net.au you can also check out our website which is fatcatmedia.com.au you can drop me a sms on 042-752-8467 you can follow The Road Less Travelled on Facebook and Instagram. On Instagram, it's The Road Less Travelled Podcast 2021. And on Facebook, it is also The Road Less Travel Podcast. So make sure you join us. And you can also follow, of course, on Fat Cat Media on Instagram and Facebook as well. And also on YouTube, we might put some videos up of uh, skinning and gutting of fish. How exciting. <laughs> hey, thanks so much for being part of The Road Less Travelled Podcast. We look forward to your company next week. In the meantime... Take it easy, stay safe, and we'll see you somewhere on the road less travelled. Bye for now. Thanks for listening. This has been The Road Less Travelled, a podcast about travelling and camping on the road. Written and hosted by me, Nikki Shea, produced by Fat Cat Media. 
If you have enjoyed this podcast, we'd love you to leave a five-star rating on whatever platform you're listening on. Even better, please leave a review. Any comments or questions, please email fatcat at iinet.net.au and to be notified on the new episodes, make sure you subscribe to the podcast feed. We'll be back with a new episode next week.